Hello and thank you for listening to episode 287 of 60MW. I'm Dave. And I'm Tom. And this is a brand new Decade of Decadence interview show where me and Tom speak with writer, producer, director Steve DeJarnett and Tom. This takes us back to 80s picture house days when we just were constantly pimping Miracle Mile, weren't we, way back when? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I think we were doing it even before 80s picture house when we first come to know each other on like the DVD forums. I think that was one of the things as well as Kiss and everything is what Miracle Mile could well have been one of those films that we bonded with and went, isn't this an awesome film? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So it's getting the chance yeah. to speak with, you know, the writer or director of it. Oh He's, my God. Yeah. was so good. And he didn't let us down, mate, did he? He was such an amazing guest. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Everything, everything you'd want to know about the film and more. Oh, yeah. it's um, Again, we're always so grateful to chat to these people. And it's great that me and you, Tom, are doing brand new 80s-related shows. Because, like, people know we did, like, about 50 for 80s Pitch House. And we're slowly re-releasing them. So to get some new ones out with some more people that we love to talk to is just even better still, mate. So, And this is as well. This is another of our video shows. So it's going to be on YouTube. So have a look at that. And, of course, listening to this, what was the audio show? But he does show some good stuff, doesn't he, mate? He yeah. was like amazing as with what he was bringing out. So we do recommend it at some point. Jump on YouTube and have a look at that if you want to see a survival biscuit tin. That's <laughs> one of the things. Which has survived all these years. Yeah, it's amazing. And to start the show and end it as well with the Miracle Mile clapperboard, the actual one that he used in the movie was that was just something yeah. else for us. Yeah. So everybody, have a, enjoy this, which I'm sure you will. Like I say, go to the YouTube channel, have a look at the video version of us uh, on there, having a chat to Steve, and uh, yeah, enjoy this little chat that we have with Steve DeJarnett. Love can sure spin your head around. God, where do you begin? Well, hello. We must have been meant to be together. It's too bad you have to work tonight. Only till midnight. Fate is a funny thing. Take a nap, because you're going to need all your energy tonight. It was one of those strange nights. <gasps> Finally meet the right girl and you blow it. That could ruin your whole day. In a big way. Dad, it's happening. This is a joke, right? It's really happening! 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 This can't be true. We'll all be dead if we don't get out of here. Nobody believes this, do they? Not me! Not Spongy! Make a list for me. People who would want to bring along. We gotta get Julie. Who's Julie? Harry Belafonte. Who are you? Who are you? Stop and let me off. I don't stop for nothing. Jump! Don't hurt me, man. I got Nakamichi Pioneer. I got everything. If it doesn't happen, I'll tell you, the what doesn't happen, man. I'm dreaming. That's, that's it, I'm dreaming. Y'all ready to go? You the pilot? Hey! Hey, you know anybody who can fly a helicopter? Helicopter pilots. All the helicopter pilot bars are closed. What's the problem? It's true. Love can be exciting. Trust me with this. Even terrifying. Julie! I love you! But nothing could prepare you for an experience like this. What is it, Julie? 
Miracle Mile. Listen, I'm just a guy who, who picked up the phone. Roll sound. This is the actual clipboard from the film Miracle Mile. Action. That's the best. I don't know how we can ever beat a start to the show for that, Tom, do you? At the end. Steve, thank you for joining us. We've both been looking forward to this for a long time. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for, for wanting me to be on your show. That's okay. We've got a lot to dig into. Uh, the first thing I want to do, I'm I'm always so interested to find out how people got into the business in the first place. So what led you into, into, into what you do? You know, I didn't grow up as a movie nut. I had no connections as business. I grew up in a little logging town, Longview, Washington, about 40 miles north of Portland. And, you know, my dad was a history teacher and a local, you know, state senator. But I was mainly just a jock. I ran track. I was uh, at the state record in the four, what's now the 400 meters, one lap race. And then I went to Occidental College and the guys down the hall had cameras and they went to the movies three times. Uh, one of them was uh, Jim Wheat of uh, the Wheat Brothers. They did an Ewok movie. They made a lot of movies. I think they did a wrote Pitch Black. Anyway, all of a sudden I got the movie bug and uh, you know, started making super eight movies, pix little pixelation things, and uh, went to another school after two years and made just continued to make sort of short films. Um, I wish I could have run four hundred meters when I was at school. I used to do one and two hundred, anything more than two hundred meters, and that was me done. I couldn't do it. So yeah, I, I ran the hundred and two hundred too, but that was it was a killer race, and and um, you know, and I kept getting injured in, in college, so you know, I switched switched uh, uh, things that I was, you know, obsessed with. And, and for the 70s, I just made films and wanted to be a filmmaker. Finally, by the um, end of, uh, you know, like 1978, I made a short film noir movie, Tarzana, and mm -hmm. that got me into the business. Yeah, tell me more about Tarzana. I watched that this afternoon and, re and really enjoyed it because I'd never seen it before. That was something that passed me by. I'd you know, it. The music just got cleared recently, so I couldn't really run it because I used old Jerry Goldsmith and mm -hmm. Bernard Herman cues from TV shows, which, you know, when you make a student short in the 70s and VHS doesn't even exist yet, you know, nobody thinks about the future of, you know, just go use here, use this kid. And so then there was an issue about being able to run it. Well, I went to the AFI in, I think, 1975 when I was four years old. Um Actually, my class at the AFI was interesting. It was John McTiernan, Ed Zwick, and Marshall Herskowitz, Stu Kornfeld, who just passed away, who, who produced The Fly and, and you know, uh, was Ben Stiller's partner, Ron Underwood, who directed City Slickers. I don't know. It was a packed class. But I didn't really get much out of it, and I was there as a writer, so I dropped out, and I made Tarzana, 35-millimeter, black and white, not a cheap little thing. You know, exactly. Film noir, John Alton lighting. We used old BNC, uh, Mitchell cameras, and uh, Cook Primes. And, it, you know, and then I cast, rather than, you know, your student filmmaker, you go get your friend down the hall and put a fedora on him <laughs> and sort of fake the film noir thing. I went and got Eddie Constantine from Alphaville. 
uh, Timothy Carey from The Killing and Paths of Glory, the coroner from Chinatown, the madam from Farewell, My Lovely, Edie Adams, the giant from uh, Carl Striken from Twin Peaks, who was also in my AFI class. That was his first role. So, um, yeah, so, and it, you know, shot four times over two years, made it for about $12,000. I mean, it was killer production. You just mm. kept shooting. But I literally went from being a busboy um, to being a Hollywood director overnight. It played as sort of the opening band at, at that time, the biggest film festival, Filmex, sort of the equivalent of Sundance today. And uh, everybody in Hollywood had come to see Marty Bress's seven, uh, 70 minute movie, Hot Tomorrows. And we were the opening band that, you know, wowed the crowd. And the next week, 10 agents or more called to represent me, and I had a career. So. That's amazing because it looks beautiful. It's got that proper noir look to it with the lighting in it. Yeah. It's fantastic. You know, 35 black and white, most of it in plus X, which is a really slow stock. So it's just silver, just imbued with silver. Um, you know, there's stills up on my website, but and there will be a way to view it. I, I don't know if, if I'm going to do a pay-per-view or if you, you know, some something, or you can down, you know, but um, it's not really available to watch the whole thing right now. Mm -hmm. But it will. Be what was what was the most difficult thing about putting that together, production-wise? Not really having any money and pretending you're <laughs> going to. <laughs> If there is, there is, and I don't know if you saw that, there is an outtake of Timothy Carey. Yeah, yeah at the end. Yeah. And it's its own film. It has its own kind of cult following, which is just that he used up all the film and we shut down and, and you know, <laughs> after three or four days shooting and then had to regroup. It was pretty much my career ended when we ran out of film there and money <laughs> and just kept going for another two years and then, you know, finally got it done. So. It was great to see that at the it. end, though, because the credits rolled, and I thought, oh, oh. there's a good about twelve minutes left. What's coming on? And then I was just like transfixed yeah, to the screen. You know, the close-up version. It's just one shot. Yeah, it's supposed to be like a fifteen-second scene <laughs> before a montage, and it's seven minutes long, and it's un it's just your jaw drops. It and, does. And uh, you know, he we were shooting in the DA of San Pedro's office. Not with permission. We were filming the jail scenes, and the guard let us in. We're supposed to be out of there. So it's like five in the morning. The sun's coming up, and we've used up all the film, and we've set the rug on fire, and there's glass and rotting fish traits in there. And, you know, we could have gone to jail. But uh, <laughs> uh, that's what you do when you're a young filmmaker, and, you you know, you have to go make your mark. So. Yeah, anything to get it done, of course. And you were writing as well because then you you did the uh, screenplay for Strange Brew. I remember watching that on VHS many many years ago when it came out. Yeah, I actually Joel Silver, the producer, put that together. I he sent up. I think I'd written Miracle Mile by then in a logging with helicopters movie for Burt Reynolds that did, never got made. But he's you know he thought there should be a Bob and Doug movie. They, they did that bit you know Bob and Doug mm -hmm. on FPTV. And so he sent my scripts up there and Belushi had just died and they were very depressed and, and we we're going to be very busy again. So I went up to like concoct something to do as a Bob and Doug movie because um, MGM wanted to do something um, and ended up with Hamlet and a brewery 
Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are hosers, a. Eh? And I think I wrote the first draft in 10 days. And, oh, wow. Um, and I actually got hired to direct it. So, um, But the, it ended up being a Canadian movie. But they paid me $50,000 to not direct it. It was a good job. <laughs> if I really hate something, I'll I'll take less money to not do it. But that was, I have a, a, a price set for that. But I gave every penny to Warner Brothers to buy Miracle Mile, the script, back from, from Warner Brothers. So it, it worked out. It all worked out yeah. in the end. I was in Canada when Strange Brew came out over there. And I remember oh, yeah. stuff for it was everywhere. People were really obsessed with it. I mean, I guess I have, you know, three 80s cult movies. I mean, Strange Brew by far has the biggest cult. That's that's huge. Miracle Mile has its own. And then Cherry 2000, my other feature, has, has a cult following as well. And it... You know, none of them were successful <laughs> you know, at the box office. So, uh, and they're all in the MGM library now. Because Cherry 2000, I, I rewatched that again just the other night. That's that's a great film. You know, I'm, I used to kind of distance myself from it because it was a tough, it was a really tough movie. And I, and I really just wanted to make Miracle Mile. I turned down, off, off of Tarzan, I turned down tons of movies, just... I really didn't do anything from 1978 till 1985, except turn stuff down. I was attached to things. I was going to do a Hell's Angels movie that I discovered Mickey Rourke for, and a few other things. But um, you know, a DB Cooper story. I was scouting locations for that. But you know, I just wanted to make Miracle Mile, and I jumped on Sherry just in a weird situation where it was going to Miracle Mile was going to be a two million dollar Nick Cage movie right after Valley Girl, if, you know, when you didn't really know who Nick Cage yeah, was. Yeah. It's not like today. <laughs> um, so, uh, and, but then his, his agent and attorney did a big bluff and pulled him out of it. At the same time, they gave me Cherry and I jumped on Cherry 2000, which was a, a moving train, you know, um, shooting in like 10 weeks, which is not, you know, so I just jumped on it, really didn't have, that much prep time and we you know went out in the deserts of nevada and made a crazy movie with a lot of blowing up of things <laughs> some of the some of the names though when you sat watching that i mean larry larry fishburne before he was lawrence fishburne well that's because you know he I, he was gonna be in he was you know best friends with nick and so uh it was kind of like yeah, you want to come out to Vegas and be in a movie? So he, you know, he was, I mean, he had done Apocalypse Now, of course, when he was 14 to 17, <laughs> when he was a kid. Uh, so he just came out to do, do a bit and was great, of course, and Mar Marshall Bell's in that scene. I mean, the character actors in Cherry are, are oh, character actors, the costumes by Julie Weiss and the music by Basil Paladoris, I think really make the film work, you know, give it its charm, you know. But, um, well, there's a couple of actors in there, and Tom, we've talked about these two, these two people, so many times. Can you tell us anything about working with Brian James, who we both love? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, he he's he was wonderful. Actually, Tim Thomerson, oh, that, uh, you know, the they were in the army together, so they were, you know, they were in heaven. It was just like they were like old friends, um, and you know, couldn't be better. Now. Uh, yeah, and just you know, Brian, wonderful in everything they do. And Tim just improvs. You know, he'd you know he'd do the dialogue, but then he'd do variations. How much? How much of the improv that Tim did is in the final cut of the movie? 
you know, I can't remember. I'll have to look at the script sometime. But a lot of those, you know, zingers, you know, he'll say something that needs to be said and then he'll throw, he'll always throw a zinger in to hit it. Like, you know, don't group up uh, one grenade will get y'all. Or, you know, uh, and just, you know, he was a, pl- a, a pleasure to, to work with. You know, my leads, you know, I don't know if I directed them or I refereed them, but, um, <laughs> you know, it, it was, it was a difficult shoot. We shot in every toxic location in Nevada, um, and set, you know, we, we didn't have prep time. So sets, a set wouldn't be ready, you know, so you have storyboards and you have plans to do this, but it's not ready. So then you go wing it and you do something else. So it's, you know, even though I, I've embraced the film and I love the, 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 it's, it's an oddball film. It's, I don't think there's anything really like it. It's just very strange, but I, it's not a film by me, you know, uh, Cotty Chubb who produced it, uh, Michael Amoreda and Lloyd Fonville who did the story and the script. And, and like I said, those other contributors, they're, they're equal to, you know, creating whatever we ended up with, um, as I am. I mean, I, I was the director and I contributed a ton, but you know, it's not a, not a Steve DiGiorno film. <laughs> <laughs> the end result is great. It's always really enjoyable to to rewatch it. And where is it with rewatching it again? I wanted to ask you where is it? You know where the car slides down and it's the, like the big. Oh, well, that's in Hoover Dam outside of Vegas. Ah. That's yeah. I mean, you could never do that today. I was thinking more. <laughs> that's really in a spillway in Hoover Dam, and it really, even though it looks big on screen, if you ever see it in a theater, it'll show up there. It's it's like six hundred feet. It's an angle like that. I mean, it's really awesome. I mean, I, I don't know. So, um, and that's a real stunt person on the back of the Mustang when the magnet that's drops. And one of, one of the most ridiculous, one of, one of the better uh, RPG fight scenes you'll see, but still, it's a ludicrous scene. It's <laughs> we needed some action set piece. So. Oh, that worked, that works brilliantly. And a lot of the stuff that you see in this Any Miracle Mile that nowadays would be CG. And he's, all, and he's yeah. just all practical now. Yeah, I don't know. We had a couple, you know, old glass uh, plates, you know, of putting Vegas in sand dunes, you know, where you actually paint it on a piece of glass and then you shoot through it. Mm-hmm. So that's really old school. That's like Citizen Kane, you know, old school. Uh, I don't think there's any CGI. Miracle Mile has, you know, just, you know, the gas station blows up. That's some stock footage, you know, melded with real footage we did have it in the outtakes there's you can see an actual h-bomb that goes up but um you know it it looked bad so we cut it out so we, we had a budget of twenty thousand dollars for effects in oh, well, that's nothing it really is it at all <laughs> the whole budget was three million dollars to actually make the movie four four all in so you know and we had to shoot all nights and blow up los angeles it was <laughs> Even then, the completion bond company said you can't make this for under twenty. So it was it was tough. That's really tough. Just briefly going back to Cherry Two Thousand, that with another actor that I've got to ask you about, and yeah. and the the costume he was wearing was very striking. Robert Zadar. It was good to see him oh, as well. Yeah, he you know he he I guess later he did Maniac Cop and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, his costume. I mean, Julie Weiss, like I say, was the costume designer. Is Somebody on the website, or if we ever do more extras for a version of Cherry, I have interviews with her. She did Frida and 12 Monkeys and American Beauty, you know, big costume designer. She'd done 
The only thing I directed professionally before this, the Alfred Hitchcock mm. dense pilot, Man from the South. But she just does weird stuff that are, you know, she's in her own universe. She really cares. Um, she, unlike most, you know, costume designers who don't even go to the set, she's on the set dressing some extra who's not even in the shot 200 yards away, just <laughs> in, you're holding up the shot. You go, Julie, great, but we got to shoot. So she just cares that much. She's a really amazing artist. But. And you, you just said then about if, you know, you're ever getting more extras for another version of Cherry that comes out. I mean, Arrow released the great Blu-ray of Miracle Mile. Have you ever been approached for a new Blu-ray release of Cherry 2000 with a load of well, extras uh, on it? Dino uh, put one out, and we did. There, I did a commentary hmm. on it with uh, Walter Chow, who I did, you know, who wrote a book on Miracle Mile, and I did a commentary on Miracle Mile. Uh, and then they had some, you know, making of the movie thing that I'm barely in because we we were we had three sets going that day when we were shooting. We were just, you know, it was like the last week of shooting, and we're just running around trying to grab everything we could. Um, you know, I'll put. I'm building this website, which mm. people should definitely check out. Um, just if you just go Steve Dejarnet. Dot net, just my name, D-E-J-A-R-N-A-T-T, run together, dot net. Um, you know, I got a lot of stuff up there. I'll put storyboards of things, and, you know, there's about 10% up now of what's going to be up. This wow. sort of Because wow. I was and, having a look at it today, and it's it's already a good website to have a look around. I did, <laughs> can I show you the room here? Yeah, of course you can. Love to. <laughs> Okay, so, you know, this is my place up north of Seattle, and I just got boxes and boxes of stuff. It's just taking me forever to scan stuff. But there's like a, I think it posted before, an alternate opening with Ben uh, Johnson narrating an opening in, in that voice. And there's not a lot of alternate stuff with with Cherry. You know, I wish there was, and there was there was other versions to it, but it's, it's pretty much close to what it was, the, the, the earlier cuts. Same thing with Miracle Mile. There's an outtake reel on on all the Blu-rays, but it's this is mainly just shots. There's there's one sequence with Joe Turkel in Miracle Mile that's cut. It's an, it was never actually cut into the rough cut, but it's it's in the uh, ten minute outtake thing of, of nice. the, all the Blu-rays. Blu-rays. But, As you're going through stuff to put onto your website, have you found anything yet that you'd forgotten about? And you were oh my word, I'd, I'd totally forgotten about that. Yeah, I just found a, a letter from, Tom, you know, Thomas Pynchon gives permission to make Gravity's Rainbow Cliff Notes. Uh, you know, and Thomas Pynchon doesn't, <laughs> nobody can find him. And Cliff Notes made this for us. They're, they're, you know, they're not really Cliff Notes. They're just fake. But but they actually made this, you know, with a cover. And he had to give his permission. So I, I sort of knew that, but I actually found the legal letter where, Somebody's saying, yes, Thomas Pynchon gives you permission to do this. So That is brilliant. Think, it makes it all the more interesting. I, I, mean, I got the call sheets. I got the insurance. I mean, I, I'll, I'll have everything up there at some point. If, some, if you really want to study, you know, all the ingredients of a film, it'll be, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, I think here, here's just a rehearsal with the cast. <laughs> is that a good angle? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this this is. I mean, I did storyboards for the sequence. Yeah, and then this is this is rehearsing for quite a bit, and um, and 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 then film and then taking stills of the rehearsal. Here's 
Paul Chadwick did the storyboards, who does Dark Horse Comics now. So, oh, you know, there's beautiful. Anyway, it's hard for me to see what I'm doing on the other side of the screen. And me and Paul Chadwick did these nine paintings. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. The thing. Whoops, that's upside down. You see? In the script. <laughs> anyway. And, you know, and we're going to have posters on there uh, that people can acquire cheaply. I'm not trying to make money doing this. In fact, I've been in trouble money-wise because I went to France for a month, and I just I thought I'd you know ask for contributions for posters, and I just gave them all away. So, you know, I, I can't go broke or lose money doing this, but but it, it, it's I'm not going to try to generate you know money doing it. It's just to get stuff to anybody who's a fan of the films. Oh yeah, I mean for the film fans like me and and you, Tom, it's. It's, that's just the kind of stuff we we eat up. It's great to see that kind of stuff. Uh, and then you know, here here's it. The original script was an older guy. That was like one of the first concepts, like a Gene Hackman guy going back to get his ex-wife. There's been talk about doing a you know reboot or reconceptualization, which I hope we are able to do, just so I can have a nice payday. <laughs> they have to pay me as writer and director. Um, but I don't want it to be two people meeting and falling in love. That, the original script was a, you know, reconciliation story. Same thing, a guy in town, trombone player, but he breaks in on his ex after 15 years and his kid, you know, with the news. And, and I think that's the direction they should go if they, if they're going to redo it. And maybe it'd be, you know, a six hour limited series, go from midnight to, to dawn or something like that. And, um, you know, We'll see. Right now, everything's shut down. But nobody knows yeah, what we're doing. Yeah, of course. Feature films are certainly practically dead, and and limited series are what's king. And the best work's going on in that right now too. I think so. That's it. I mean, streaming services have just changed the whole plane of everything with Netflix and Amazon, and it's all the ones in America with with Hulu and, and so many more. Yeah, they're all they're all competing and sort of throwing money at it. At some point, I think that will peak and drop off because you can't keep up with all these shows. I mean, right now people can't leave their house. So it, it's a, it's a perfect storm of, for streaming, binging, you know, anything and everything. But at some point people actually go back to living in the world and you, you won't want to watch, you know, cert certainly I think many seasons of a show will be more rare. They'll just do these, you know, eight or 10 episode things. Yeah. What's it like being in 2020 and there's people like me and Tom who were just rabid fans of Miracle Mile and just want to talk about it? And how many times, Tom, have we recommended Miracle Mile to people over the years since we've known each other? Oh, yeah. So many times. So many times. Yeah. It's, a, it's, uh, it's one of those. It's one of those go to's. Of we're talk, we get talking with film with people and, and me and Tom always say. One of the first ones we mentioned is Miracle Mile. Have you ever seen Miracle Mile? There's yeah. one that you need to watch. I am worried now that it's becoming, I mean, it's still an obscure cult film, but like it's been this thing, yes, where where people just, I have a film you don't know about and don't find out anything about it. That's what you tell your friends, right? <laughs> just watch yeah. yeah, Watch it at four in the morning yeah. if you can, but don't, don't read up on it. I, you know, some of the artwork on various things, including the Chadwick stuff, don't look at this because it'll give it away. Uh, and, and usually before a screening, I'll say it here, I've said it a million times, they, you know, the film is sort of a 
fluffy 80s John Hughes romantic comedy that gets less fluffy as it goes along. And, you know, that's sort of true. It's very 80s, you know, could be more 80s if we used smoke and wet the streets and and a few other things. But, you know, it the mullets, the red mullet that's you know, on Mare. It's the only thing I would like to go back and change. I would like to CGI that into a better haircut. <laughs> that's great. What was it when you were putting it all together? I mean, there's some fabulous locations in it. What was the decision with the locations that you used? I wrote it for those locations. For those, it's, yeah. It is, I mean, have you guys been to L.A.? I've been, I've been once a few years ago, yeah. And if you ever do get the, well, now, very sadly, the, the museum, they just tore it down. The tar pits, of course, are going to be there. <laughs> but they're, you know, they're wrecking Los Angeles, just a lot of great old places. And, uh, but I mean, I wrote it for, you know, Wilshire, I, for the tar pits, begins and ends at the tar pits. And I think it was a different idea of a diner. And we ended up with Johnny's, which is better, which is still there. It's just a closed down movie set now. And it, I don't know how it survived with all the changes in Los Angeles. The May Company, that sort of deco thing right across from Johnny's, is the new Academy uh, of Motion Pictures Museum and, you know, is preserved. Um, so only the gas station was, did we film somewhere else and you're not quite sure. Otherwise everything is just, is really according to where it is mm -hmm. on, in geography. So. Cause the diner on the Blu-ray, there's the reunion, isn't there? Where you all go back into the diner. That's one of the great extras on there. That I'm, you know, I'm still paying off my credit card of that because we could get in there for six hours. We couldn't even get, they don't even open it up, um, for, less than like $30,000 a day or something for, wow. for a shoot. Even though the art direction in there, the, um, you know, the blue and, and orange stuff in there, we put that in there. We, we art directed it so it looks the way it does. It was really dark and dingy before. So the way they use it now as a set is, you know, we, that was the Miracle Mile, uh, uh, Chris Horner, the production designer. We talk about that on the commentary, I think. And then Teo, here's something I learned during the, the commentary by DP, Teo Vandesanti. The lights at Johnny's didn't work anymore. So we put in 5,000 bulbs, which the gaffer, Jono, dipped, this is I learned from Teo during the commentary, dipped in blue paint three times to get the right temperature, color temperature. And they're still <laughs> uh, going today. So Wow. Uh, oh. But yeah, we got into Johnny's for six hours, and we had, it was a love fest. We got, you know, almost all the supporting cast who were, were around and just did that thing. And there's 10 minutes or 10, 12 minutes on the Kino, an additional 25 minutes on the Arrow and others. And there's more There's more footage. I mean, there's more stuff I'll put on the website. Uh, so The website's uh, going to be a must-visit for everybody. Everybody's going to have to visit the website. Yeah, so sign up for the email thing there because, uh, you know, it's, it's just it's just me. I mean, I have some, a great person helping me ne negotiate uh, Squarespace and, like, mm -hmm. I'm a Luddite, but it's just it's going to take another year to put everything up there. And there's, there's, there's outtake clips of other stuff there, too. Well, I'm, right now I'm just shooting them off the computer. And they're not that good, but you know they don't—they don't really have to be. But there's, you know, it's, it's fun to see. 
There'll, there'll be everything you ever wanted to know on there. Well, that's <laughs> it. Some... Well, I'm definitely going to keep visiting. I know you will as well, won't you, Tom, with that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, one thing I found as well with rewatching Miracle Mile, and I've watched it into double figures now, and I rewatched it just a few nights ago. It's the tension of it. I was, I know, of course, what happens in it, but I'm, yeah. it's still so bloody tense as you're watching it, and it just <laughs> and it just ramps up as you know as the uh, as it gets closer uh, and closer. I, to I wish we had footage where we could do alternate versions. So it would be like roulette, like you're not, you know, there'd be slight changes. So when you watch it again, you're not sure. You know, that's what people should do with movies, I think. But, for, for, but you never know if you're going to make a movie that people want to watch. Times, you know. <laughs> but, it, but if you could do that, uh, then you could go back and something could be slightly different and it would still end the same. Or, you know, there, there is the happy alternate ending on the Blu-rays, mm, too. You know, yeah. Which is two seconds long of a, the diamonds. <laughs> uh, which nobody seems to like. I, I commissioned a friend of mine, Elisa Bello, the Go-Go's original drummer, she's in the new documentary of yo uh, to do those diamonds. And it's just white light that coalesces and, you know, diamonds spin away. And that was the upbeat ending. But uh, John Daly, the head of Hemdale, actually said, oh, that's too upbeat, let's cut it out, let's let's rip their hearts out. That was the, the studio head. <laughs> and <laughs> usually the director's going, no, I want to go with the darker ending. This is the studio head, no, let's go darker. I'm glad he said that, that. I do like the way that it ends. I've got to admit, I yeah, love the way I, that it ends. Yeah, I, I like it as a curiosity, but and, I, and actually my, the best print I have of the film that's at the Academy does have that diamond at the ending, but pretty much everybody who comes to see the movie when we have a screening in LA, they've already seen it, so they you know they want to see the, the alternate thing anyway. But, uh, I remember the first time that I watched it as well, and I was thinking... Is it going to happen? He, he, get, he gets the phone call, and is it real, or was it a fake? And I remember thinking so long until you find out, you know, that it is, is going to happen. As you, as you were writing this, did you have, like, in, in your mind, how far you wanted to take it with the narrative yeah. bef before the viewer went, oh, it is going to happen? Uh, yeah, and I, and, and I think I put, I'm right at the edge of frustrating you too much. I mean, even when they're, t they're finally together, and then they're running back, and he thinks he sees the helicopter pilot across the street. So that you know, that's a plot machination to separate them again. And then it turns out to not be him. And then you have to get back together again. So that stuff really frustrates you. And they're actually in the outtakes. There's we never filmed it, but there's Gersted, the crazy guy in the heliport, reacting to a bit that was in the script that. Um, would have been too much too. So the first missiles coming over before the, those three that actually do it before, before after the Tijuana one maybe. Anyway, the first missile came and landed about six blocks away. They're holding each other, but it was a dud. And it's just steaming, you know, <laughs> down on Wilshire Boulevard. Which I, from research, it uh, was said that you know two thirds of the Russian warheads wouldn't go off; they'd be defective. So. Um, you know, that could have happened, but that's too much. Then it, then you're back to that thing of, I, am I dreaming? And and I think it has probably the right level of frustration now. I, I remember back in those days as well, all the Cold War, you know, you, you'd got America and Russia. It was everywhere, wasn't it? Well, yeah, we're, you know, we were trained in school to yeah, get duck, roll, and cover, and this is going to happen, and get under your table and, and then take the cans of food. 
around here too but um which you can see in the, in the, that's more recent um but yeah and, and i love to tell audiences it's much more likely to happen tonight than back then when we made the film because you know when the cold war was at high alert everybody's you know really highly trained they're doing the, these drills all the time now they still sort of go through the motions but all our warheads and all of russia's are, are pointed at each other mm-hmm. You get some disgruntled person, you know, you know, I mean, it's hard to, you know, for one person to, to do it. So there is a guy in a certain house with, a, with white paint on it um, that can push that button. And, you know, who knows? So um, if, we'll I'm, see. if I'm ever out at gone four o'clock in the morning and a public phone rings to me, I'm, I'm just not going to answer it. That's it. There aren't too many phones <laughs> anymore, but, uh, yeah, and I'd seen that. I'd seen a, a, a phone ringing before once, and I, I, I am trying to figure out where. I mean, it was mainly from nightmares, I think, that I had where the idea came. But I did see Barbara Feldon from Get Smart on a payphone at the Tar Pits once when I the first week I got to Los Angeles. So maybe that influenced it somewhere. That, that could be. <laughs> before we wrap this up, there's one thing that we haven't talked about, and I do want to briefly just to ask you a couple of things about it and it's the alfred hitchcock presents episode oh yeah yeah i mean yeah. i hadn't seen that before as well because that was based on the roald dahl story which was big over here well yeah roald dahl it's been filmed many times mm-hmm. and the original was peter laurie c mcqueen that was my first professional job after doing tarzana and turning down about 30 features to direct um and it was the fourth episode um in a t- four-part tv movie and then it turned into a tv series and I was the student filmmaker and the other three directors had gone over schedule. So there's a lot of pressure on me, but I pulled it off. I was very prepared. Yeah. I had Paul Chadwick storyboarded and I did this stills, you know, block thing. And yeah, John Houston, Kim Novak, Tippi Hedren, Melanie, we, we got mm-hmm. along swell on that one. Stephen Bauer, her husband from, from Scarface and Danny De La Paz, who's, who's, uh, you know, plays the, 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 uh, the person Roger in the diner in, in Miracle Mile. Um, but yeah, that turned into a TV show. And then soon thereafter I did charity. So yeah. that was sort of back to back on that. Oh, I got, I do have to plug my book though. Do it. Go on. So I, you know, um, you know what I've been doing lately, even though I'm putting my toe back into the waters, trying to, to get things going in the limited series world. I, I went and got a degree in, in creative writing and, you know, I have, you know, stories in the best American short stories, et cetera. And I think if you liked Miracle Mile, um, you know, I don't know if you have a link, but there you can, it's on Amazon, but you can get it cheaper at University of Chicago Press. There, you can, If you go to my website, you'll see it prominently, this, this book up there. And I think you can get the the ebook for like 10 bucks and it's 20% off with a, with a code too. If you contact me on there, I can, I can give you that code. Yeah. Well, I'll, and, I'll put know, a link to it into the great, show. Definitely. Great odd stories that, you know, that are intense about survival and redemption and, you know, short stories. So, you know, you're not going to have to 
slog through a novel. <laughs> but, uh, what is it about writing that excites you still? You know, I'm kind of... T- I'm kind of burnt on writing. I've been doing it for so long and, and I'm taking a break from the fiction thing. Cause I've started some novels. Um, but I do want to break this big sort of ambitious, uh, limited series, which is about filmmakers and in, in LA and, and, uh, we'll, we'll see if there's a life for that. Um, and I don't know, just, I, I'm trying to learn how to play music. I'm going to start a band. Because I hear there's a shortage of them now, and it's really easy to make a lot of money on Spotify. But <laughs> perhaps I was misinformed. Uh, there's some great Welsh bands, isn't it? Like, what's that band? McCluskey that turned into something else? I don't know. Oh, I'm not the person to ask with Welsh music. <laughs> I've got a no. metal man. So. <laughs> it's Tom Jones. Tom Jones. Shirley Bassey. Then, um, then I. Do you know where the the most pure speaking Welsh community is in the world? Where's that? Patagonia in Argentina. Oh, of course, yes, yeah. A friend of ours did some filming over there, and yeah. he's fluent in Welsh. And uh, yeah, he was amazed when he went over there. Now I, I am doing a documentary on Whammo, the uh, the toy company that that oh, did uh, the frisbee and the hula hoop. And oh. just doing a short, short documentary on them, but we'll see. We're going to have to have you back on the on the show, Steve. Wouldn't you? Hey, hey, any any time. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to, wouldn't we, Tom? Of course, we would. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. There's a lot more to chat about. I was supposed to. I was supposed to do this, you know, show in Manchester for the 30th anniversary of, uh, you know, Black Sunday, two years ago, and then I had a psoas muscle injury. I couldn't fly. And then I had a ticket to get to Dublin next March, but they just canceled that flight. So I was going to come over to the UK and do go to Liverpool and, and uh, Dublin and Manchester and maybe uh, Wales, uh, but that's not looking likely now. So I'd love to, I'd love to get over there at some point if Arrow would want to bring me over. There yeah. we go. Well, we'll help to plug that definitely. When, and when you do come over, we'll be here to greet you. Definitely. Okay. Well, for the sake of the edit, Steve, thank you so much for joining us. I just, I want to spend, I want to spend some time in that room. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I got a lot of books and, uh, and you know, you saw my friends back there. Mm-hmm. That, uh, let's see. What else have I got? I got a theremin. Oh, my. Yes. <laughs> those so yeah i got a lot of weird stuff that's what we and like it's nice, it's nice being up here you know for the pandemic but I, I miss los angeles i'd rather be in the smog and fires and traffic of los angeles i'm out in the country <laughs> too dull and beautiful so. oh. well if you don't mind once again if you would get the clapperboard and to finish the show how we begin let we may as well do it professionally haven't we to end the show so thank you steve Chaos late. And Tom, everybody has now heard us have that chat with Steve. And once again, having guests that we've, you know, we've admired their work for so long, we get the chance to have a chat to them and they are awesome guests. He's always good, isn't it? Yeah, always. Yeah. And what a great guest. Oh, yeah. He was, uh, he was one I'd love to have another chat to. He's got so many stories to tell. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like I said at the start, you know, you, have, you know, everything you want to know about Miracle Mile and so much more, but there's probably still more. So... 
and his website his website looks like it's going to be incredible there's already loads of stuff on there treasure trove oh yeah and the room that he was in and so people when you watch the youtube video as well he actually moves the laptop around and we see the room that he's in and it's just oh to spend like an hour in there mate we'd just oh, be in yeah. heaven wouldn't we <laughs> and uh and twin peaks fans would notice a couple of familiar faces uh oh, inside yeah. of him as well not us <laughs> a few little bonuses to look out for Right, well, let's close it all up. People know the website by now, 6dmw.co.uk. We're at 6dmw podcast on Twitter and Instagram. They're the places to go. You'll see everything that we do, news, reviews, podcasts, everything there. And send us some emails. Let us know what you think about the interview shows. Let us know if there's anybody you would like us to interview. Anything 80s related for me and Tom, it'd be brilliant. Was, uh, we've already got in mind lots of people we'd love to talk to, haven't we? we oh, yeah, have. we've batted around ideas. Yeah, but if anybody would... Uh, would think, oh, yeah, I'd love it if you had a chat to these. Well, let us know and we'll see what we can do. Absolutely. And so, until next time, thank you for listening, and we shall be back very soon. So, goodbye. Goodbye.